Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 KSRQ. We're beyond the FM dial at RadioNorthland.org and you can check us out on the TuneIn Radio app. Yes, we're available for you. We've got a SoundCloud page. We've also got a few things in the works. We are always doing something here at Wrestling Memories Then and Now. I'm Glenn Broggett back for another week and I am so happy to uh, welcome back, of course, for another week, uh, my co-host, partner in crime, Dion, down there deep in the heart of Texas in the mobile studio. Go in that extra mile without even leaving the parking lot. We're talking to the grizzled vet Mike McCurdy. And hey, Mike, welcome for another round of wrestling memories then and now on Pioneer 90.1. All right, man. Always glad to be back. And may I have, we can also be found on the offshoots. I do need to add some more, some more episodes to the offshoots. I'm a little behind on that one, but I believe Tito Santana is our next guest with <laughs> the offshoots. So you know kind of how that goes. It's a work in progress. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you get Tito up there. I, I, I'm going to be pledging hard to, to get the uh, job guys of the AWA episode up because it's been getting some pretty good responses. People have been commenting and sending messages saying, hey, how much they enjoyed hearing uh, from Tom Rocky Stone, Chris Curtis, and Mike uh, and Mike Richards. I got to listen to some of that when it aired. I, you know, that was fun. That was an enjoyable one. I don't know a lot about you know, the AWA territory. So when you do one of those shows, it's kind of fun for me. It's something for me to, uh, you know, learn about. And I'm always willing for a history lesson. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's always fun. It's a continuing education, really, the the, the knowledge of pro wrestling, past, present, and and, and current, but, um, you know, and future, rather. Uh, but, you know, what? Uh, I've been, been looking at that, and I'm also looking here in 2020 to maybe get another roundtable together with a few other guys to kind of talk about maybe in a different territory or wherever to get the job guy perspective because they have uh, some very good stories. There's been some very good stories and a lot of fun, and I think that we can find a few more here in 2020. Always, always room for more wrestling knowledge. Oh, definitely, man. There's more of those, uh, you know, the road trip stories and everything else. Uh, some that's kind of happening around here. There is a little scuttle going on, a local show here coming up in May. They're doing like a global wrestling federation reunion. I would love to do a little bit of a global roundtable. Oh. You know, I talked to a few of the guys that, you know, worked in the global. And I think that'd be a fun one because global wrestling federation here in Texas is kind of one of those, one of those interesting leagues. I mean, big idea, big plan, you know, the whole ESPN coverage. But it just, it something just didn't quite click, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that was one thing, too. I loved watching Global up here. Uh, I mean, I watched it on ESPN. I was a loyal, loyal fan of the GWF. You know, you're, you're thinking, you know, I'm thinking about Texas, too. You're down there from the mobile studio. And uh, it was just last week, uh, Mike, of course, you know me and my constant adventures of uh, finding shows to see and things to do. You know how that goes with me. I've, I've more than mentioned uh, on here and, and on my Facebook about going to concerts. Uh, definitely. I've actually got a concert coming up that I'll be going to. I'm going to be seeing Hall & Oates this summer. That's, they're they're going to be at Dickie's Arena. So That should be fun because uh, I, I just saw them back in the fall in Louisville at the uh, Bourbon & Beyond thing. So that, that, that'll definitely be a good, good evening of music. You know, about Texas, but I actually, this is... Uh, something I, I did. I got in on a pre-sale for this big show they're going to have uh, at the Viking Stadium uh, in the month of August for George Strait. And, this, and my mother is uh, the biggest George Strait fan you can find, among many other great fans of, of him, of course. He's a great uh, superstar. But I was able to get tickets for her. That was her only act she wanted to see on her bucket list. So I think uh, I've made some major points there. But yeah, George Strait, you want to talk about Texas right there. Case closed. Oh, definitely, man. Here, here in Texas on the radio station, he's King George. You know, you got to get that straight. That's King George. That's royalty. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, talent is talent. But yeah, it's going to be a big event. It's going to be a, another country show. So people who think I just go to rock shows. No, I've, I go to a varied amount and varied styles of, of music. Uh, and I've done some few country shows. And, I, you know, it's a funny thing, uh, Mike. It's actually going to be the third time I've seen Chris Stapleton. For, you know, I've seen him a couple different times in Milwaukee. Uh, he opened actually for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers a few years ago when I saw him. So I'm looking forward to seeing him as well. I never got. I have not had a chance to see uh, you know Chris Stapleton. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of uh, Chris Stapleton. Would, would love to see a show like that. I actually, being in Texas, I have not gone to any like country concerts or anything. I'm going to rock shows. Kiss and you know Daryl Hall and John Oates. Have not seen a country one. Couldn't oh. get to George Strait. George Strait sold out like Gangbusters here at Dickey's Arena. Like over like within an hour, sold out. So just didn't happen here. Well, you know what? Uh, Texas is kind of on our minds, too, because our guest, of course, when you think uh, of GWF, you think of uh, World Class, you think of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame down there in Wichita Falls, you think of Johnny Mantell, and uh, Johnny's with us uh, today. And, Mike, I want to let you uh, do uh, an intro and get a few questions in right away because you uh, were so kind in booking John on the show. It's always good to have him on to talk uh, pro wrestling. So I'm going to let you take it away, my friend, and uh, I'll get running here and there with the question. All right, I appreciate it. Like you said, you have uh, you know you know mentioned the name of our guest today. He is the president of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in Wichita Falls. The class of 2020, their induction weekend is coming up, third weekend in May. I will be there for the entire weekend, Glenn. You and I will be once again doing a live on tape from uh, the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure Johnny will be there to welcome everybody as he was last year. But right now, man, let's get him on. Let's talk about this year's class and what people can expect and. Talk a little bit of wrestling memories with him as well. None other than the cowboy Johnny Mantell. Johnny, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you guys for having me as always. And and let me just say, I got tickets this summer. I'm going to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, group I saw five or six times while I was in college in California. And, and so that's one of my bucket list things is going to see one of their concerts again. That's awesome. There we go, man. Even, even Johnny's got the musical background. There you go. There you go. Hey, what? Yeah, it is a great class. Uh, uh, the Living Hall of Famers this year are, are all right now in mode of going to be in Wichita Falls. So we're very excited about the, uh, the the year coming up. We also have Jim Duggan coming in finally to get his hat and ring. Um, so we're going to have some extra Hall of Famers in town, and and uh, it'll be a fun, fun week. Uh, Butcher Bashan's back. Uh, Ronnie Garvin's back. Randy Rose is back. It's going to be a fun, fun week in Wichita Falls for uh, for the for the third weekend in May, and and everybody should get that on their calendar because it's our weekend. It's our weekend. It's been that way for about 15 years. They finally settled on one up in New York, and when they did, they stayed on this third weekend of the month. And we're uh, uh, you just need to set your calendar whenever you want to. Next year will be our 20th anniversary, our 20th induction, which will be a very big year. Uh, but we're uh, we're going to get through this year first, and and a, and a great class. I think two two guys in the pioneer division that a lot of people have to look up and make sure who they are to understand what they mean. But in their day, George Zaharis and Bobby Manigoff, they wrestled all the top stars of their day every night. It wasn't like they flew in and made a shot, or they brought, they came in on a train and made a shot. These guys were the top, top stars every single night wrestling, and and their whole life existence was about professional wrestling and what they did in the ring. So the Pioneer Division, 
even though there's nobody alive in their families. Uh, there is one stepdaughter in George Zahars' family that we have made contact with, but we have not got any confirmation from. Um, but when you go back into history and dive in and get those kind of names on a ballot and then they get elected, that's what you're going to run into. Now, you know, you mentioned you mentioned about we'll we'll talk more about the the rest of the Hall of Fame class. Let's talk about kind of the selection process and the balloting process. How do you get to the point where you know the ballot is created, and then what's what's the voting committee? What's the process to get to where you have the class of you know 2020, and then next year for the class of 2021, which you said will be the 20th anniversary. So there's a so there's a committee which is our ballot committee that works on the ballot. And uh, it's a three-person committee. It uh, usually has a wrestler and a couple of historians, a couple of historians and a wrestler. Uh, this year we used a couple of college professors that are huge uh, sports enthusiasts that uh, uh, have been working with us on the ballot to help to make sure that we're creating the best ballot we can possibly create. And uh, the 2020 ballot, I think, is as good as any ballot we've ever had with the quality of people going in and you know, you guys talked about that uh, meeting of the, of the guys that were sort of the middle of the card guys up in the AWA. And, and the guys that we're talking about today, uh, uh, they were never world champions, but they're sure Hall of, Hall of Fame caliber guys. I mean, every one of them that are being inducted. Um, I believe on this, I believe if I'm not mistaken on this card, we have three world champions or on, 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 on a card on this induction ballot this year. I believe there's three world champions on here, but legitimately, all these people being inducted this year are the heart and soul of this business. King Curtis, Killer Carl Cox, uh, Debbie Combs, the great Kabuki, uh, uh, Magnum PA that had a short career, but what a magnificent career he had till the car wreck. So, I mean, there's a class going in this year of, of talented, talented people, and we're excited to be able to host and have them in Wichita Falls. Uh, talked to Butch of the Sheep Herders, the Bushwhackers, a couple nights ago, and he is so excited. Him and his wife are both coming, spending about a week or 10 days here in Texas with us, and uh, uh, we're excited to have them. So uh, the only one of the living inductees right now that I'm, that I don't, I'm not going to confirm that he's coming for sure, and that is Kabuki, just because, He's been having some difficulties with his diabetes, and so I'm got, I've gotten my doctor in touch with his doctor in Japan, and they're discussing, discussing treatments and what to do in case of this or in case of that. And uh, so I'm not going to promise Kabuki yet in May, but everybody else is living. Uh, we're going to see in May in the induction line and, and uh, getting their rings and hats. Now, real quick, let's go over kind of the uh, the Hall of Fame class. I'm just going to go down the list, you know, real fast, and then we'll kind of talk about some of the individual ones. But you mentioned the Pioneer Era, which is 1865 to 1942, well out of my time frame. <laughs> uh, George Zaharias and Bobby Manikoff, as you said, names that I had to look up because I'm not familiar with, uh, you know, their careers. Uh, television Era, 1943 to 1984. You have King Curtis Ayukea and Killer Carl Cox. Modern Era Division, Magnum TA and Jake the Snake Roberts. Ladies Division, Debbie Combs and Luna Vachon. Tag Team Division, the Sheep Herders or the Bushwhackers, however you know them. I know them both, both ways. 
uh, Territory Division, Killer Tim Brooks. The International Division, The Great Kabuki. Executive Division, Dory Funk Sr. And Referee Division, Dick Worley. Um, as you said, this is a great list of names. Definitely guys that are Hall of Fame worthy. And uh, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about them. One I kind of want to uh, bring up real fast is the tag team division. Uh, Luke and Butch. A lot of people remember them as the Sheep Herders, a very rough, hardcore style wrestling team before you know, that was the thing. And a lot of people know them as the Bushwhackers. Now, in their induction, you know, how are, how are they being inducted? Is it just, are they, is it both? Have they chosen to come in as the Sheep Herders or are they chosen to be inducted as the Bushwhackers? Well, both of them to the T, Michael, said to me this, that we made four times the money as the Bushwhackers than we did as the Sheep Herders. They both said it the same exact way, too. So I have to respect that. I have to respect that from them. But they want to go in as both. They want a Sheep Herders slash Bushwhackers because when I met them in Portland, Oregon, in 1978-79, they were the Sheep Herders. And that was the first territory in the United States they came to was Portland. And uh, uh, so I got to know them. I got to know them pretty well while I was up there, traveled with them some and hung out with them. And we all lived at the bomber together. Um, um, so so it's, a special, it's a special time for the two of them to come in. Butch, the other night when we hung up, he said, matey, I can't wait to give you a big bushwhacker uh, or a sheep herder lick. And so he crossed over right there with the two different names, you know. He crossed over with the lick part. And, and so just a great pair of guys, well-deserving of being inducted. Uh, uh, entertainers and wrestlers, tough, tough guys. They both come off the rugby football field and uh, tough guys. Here now, real quick, you know, just kind of a side part of this. Have you ever thought of, like, a location division, like a building division? Because, you know, you could put the bomber in the Hall of Fame. Because I think every wrestler in the Portland Territory has got a bomber story. I know we've had plenty of bomber stories on uh, on Wrestling Memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a bomber there. There was a Ten Flags Motel in Baton Rouge. There was a Scottish Inn in Freeport. Yeah, there were some famous hotels around the country. Uh, um but yeah, I think I think today we'll talk Hall of Fame and other stories besides those hotel stories because some of those could get pretty pretty brutal. <laughs> All right, now um, in the television era, I mentioned uh, King Curtis Ayakea, um, very well known. I'm sure most of our listeners know, and Killer Carl Cox, uh, very well known here in Texas. Um, I know his son Cody. Um, will Cody be there for the his dad's Hall of Fame induction? Is he accepting? I'm, I'm sure they will be, man. I have not yet talked back to Cody. We've talked, we talked once or twice, and I've yet not, I've yet to talk back to him. I'm really waiting to get some details about a couple of things, so I know what to tell him about before I call him back. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure Cody and the brother. I think both brothers are going to be there and, and going to enjoy the induction and, and uh, be part of the celebration of their dad's life. I mean, it was important. He, he, he was a very important part to our business. No matter what anybody says, it was a huge part of our business, especially in these southern territories. Now, did you ever get a chance, you know, I'm sure, you know, going to Texas, did you have a chance to work with, uh, you know, Carl in the ring? Well, I did, I did some tag matches with him. I never worked against him. Uh, we worked at tag matches for Bill Watson, Leroy McGurk in 1978 when I was wrestling 
or excuse me, in 1976 when I was wrestling as Johnny Mantel or Johnny Boyd for uh, Bill Watts and Leroy in my first territory, uh, we did some tag matches together. And he was a great, he was a great hand in the ring, taught you a lot, traveling up and down the highways. The road was uh, where he taught you the most. And uh, uh, I, I considered Carl a dear friend, you know. Now, King Curtis Iacas, you know, for some of the listeners, like I said, very well-known name. I think some people might, the younger man, might remember him more uh, at the end there. He did a few things with WCW. But um, what can you tell us a little bit about King Curtis Iacas? Wow, man. You know, if you, if, you look, if you go back and you look at the time when Jim Barnett was promoting Australia and that crew he had down there, part of that crew was King Curtis Iacas. And the, the, that run they had in, in, the, in Australia for that time, those guys made nothing but serious money. If you talk to any of them, King Curtis, uh, of course, I mean, he's passed away, but uh, Carl Cox is in that group, the Funks, uh, uh, Jerry Lawler. There's a whole group of those guys that got that run or got a piece of that run in Australia when Jim Barnett was down there running Australia. And the money was just outrageous. And, and so those kind of guys, they were successful every place they went. King Curtis was successful with, with Mark Lewin and, and Bob Roop in Florida. He was successful in Hawaii. Uh, he was successful in Japan. Uh, he, was a, he was an Abdullah the Butcher type with a lot more talk and, 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 and boisterous way of doing it where Abby always had Gary Hart or a manager or somebody really to do his talking and do his stuff. Um, um, King Curtis did all his himself. And so that, that's from his University of California college education, I'm sure. But uh, uh, he, was, he, was very, very wor- he was very worthy on the microphone to be one of the tops of all time. See, you mentioned Abdullah the Butcher, and he was part of the Hall of Fame class last year. I got to meet him. Um, I think one of the things with Abdullah is the voice does not match what you see. You know, you see Abdullah the Butcher and then you speak to Abdullah the Butcher and it's kind of two totally different, you know, things like that. So, you know, I think that's more why kind of he might have needed the, you know, the mouthpiece. I mean, that's just my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, no, there's no, there's no doubt. And, and, and again, some guys are very comfortable with the microphone and some aren't. And, and, uh, uh, King Iakea, again, University of California, uh, uh, football player, uh, I mean, uh, an athlete, just a great athlete. A dear, another guy that was a dear friend of mine at the end, uh, I met him when I first started going to Japan, and every time I came to Japan, he made sure I had a roof over my head and had a few bucks in my pocket, and I was okay. And, and that's what kind of guy he was. And, and uh, uh, so... Uh, very proud to have him being inducted. I understand that his widow and uh, Prince Ayakea, a young man that wrestles as his son in, a, in Japan right now, is all, are both coming in May to accept his honor. So we're really proud and, and honored to have the family come and represent him for the induction. Now, in the modern era division, you know, these are two guys. I was very happy to hear uh, these two names. In fact, I'm writing a, uh, a bio for one of them. That would be Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, Magnum TA and, and Jake, both worthy Hall of Fame contenders. Magnum's career, unfortunately, cut way too short. Definitely would have been NWA you know, champion 
you know, had his career continue. We had Nikita Koloff on here a few months ago and, you know, he spoke about Magnum. Uh, even though Magnum's career was cut short because of the car accident, he's still Hall of Fame worthy because of, you know, based on just what he did before that, you know, short career, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a Hall of Fame career. Yeah. You know, I, I was with him again in Louisiana for Bill Watts, and you talked about a guy that was over with the crowd. Uh, he, the fans, he could do no wrong. And, and he was so good in the ring, could work with anybody, um, understood the business. Um, a very, you know, another intelligent guy, very intelligent guy. Um, um, I, I never had the opportunity to work with him or even in a tag match with him because the times I was there, I was either tagging my brother Kenny or that first summer I was there, I was uh, I wrestled under Johnny Boyd and I did a lot of the, the, the tag match and stuff like that where he was always in the main event. And, and so, um, you know, never got a chance to work with him, but boy, he sure looked like he was smooth as silk from outside the ring, and 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 sure got the job done. I, but, you know, there's there's people that have that aura, and it's a Hulk Hogan aura, it's a, it's that kind of aura, and Magnum had that aura in the ring uh, uh, when he was working. He had that same aura that really Hulk had uh, in in a different way, but but he had it, and he could talk on the microphone. Just another very talented guy, and because his career got cut short. He should not be punished for that. So I'm glad that the, that the committee and, and the group saw the saw the, the worthiness to, to get him on the ballot and then get him voted in. Now the other one in the modern era division, you know, I said I was I'm writing his bio and I'm looking forward to this because I love Jake the Snake Roberts. He was one of my favorites, you know, in the WWF. In the WWF, probably one of the guys that should have been a world champion but never was. You know, that talented of a guy in the indie scenes and in the territory days and all that held multiple titles. Definitely a Hall of Fame career for Jake the Snake. And he's going to be there this year for the Hall of Fame induction, right? So you told me when I went to Winston-Salem and saw him and his daughter that they're very excited and both going to come. Uh, we're excited to have him. Uh, I've known Jake. I worked with Jake in 1977, and, and uh, he was – way before the snake part. He was just Jake Roberts. And, and uh, boy, I've known that family a long time from breaking in with Grizz and, and, and Sam and Robin and, 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 and Jake. And now Jake being inducted. Uh, I know his dad's been on the ballot a few times in the tag team division, and they just seem to just miss out every time. Um, I think Jake's sure a worthy candidate because of his ability in the ring. Again, another guy, not a world champion, but he never needed the belt anyway. And he would have made a great world champion because there's another guy that could have worked with anybody in the ring. Uh, I think Vince didn't use him a whole, whole lot better than he did because Jake wouldn't go work out, wouldn't pump the weight and build the muscle mass that Vince wanted. But that's just my opinion. You know, I, I think that uh, uh, Jake had a hell of a career up there in WWE and and uh, I couldn't be happier for him, man. I could not be happier for a guy to be recognized with that problem in his life and fighting through it, trying to come out the other end in one season. See, I don't think Jake's one of those guys that needed to, you know, work out or have the bulk and all that because he just had a presence about him. You know, talented wrestler in the ring and just had that presence. You know, his promos today are still some of the best, you know, ever. Very true, very true, Michael. He's 
he, he was a great Mike guy. He was very, but he has a great mind for the business. And he grew up in the business with his dad being the, the road agent and worker for Leroy and then for Bill. And, and so he grew up in this business and around all the guys. So he learned, he learned all the tricks. And, and, and sometimes uh, uh, when you learn all the tricks, you don't let promoters and people abuse you and take advantage of you. And I think that that was probably another reason why maybe Jake wasn't uh, ever a world champion was because Jake was, you know, not that he couldn't be trusted, but to a promoter, they weren't sure what Jake was, where Jake was going to be the next day sometimes. And, and so that hurt Jake to a certain point. But again, I don't think those problems overlooked the fact of his career. Because I've had some comments the other way that says, you know, Jake was St. Roberts, maybe he wasn't Hall of Fame worthy because of all this stuff on the side and all this and that. But let me just tell you, man, here's a guy that's trying to come out the other side, and uh, I think it's I think it's a very worthy induction. All right, I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn. Glenn, I'm sure you got to, you know, we'll continue going on through the Hall of Fame class here with uh, Johnny Mantel. Absolutely. It's uh, an honor to have John on the program once again on Wrestling Memories then and now. And uh, we're going to get into, yeah, a few more of the inductees. And uh, I'm going to get into this one just real quick and we'll, we'll bounce around. But I, I noticed that the referee division, this one caught my eye because uh, I remember this guy not only watching on AWA on ESPN, uh, refereeing some of the stuff out in Atlantic City and also WWE out in the East Coast. This is one of the guys, uh, you know, for referees, few refs have had an action figure made in their likeness. This is a guy that had that honor in the uh, mid-1980s by Remco for the AWA. Uh, you're going to be uh, honoring him uh, here in uh, Wichita Falls in May. We're talking in referee division, Dick Worley. Now, when you see that guy, you're like, oh, I know him. Some people sometimes don't know the name, but Dick Worley, one of the few guys that actually had an action figure as far as the referee division went. Well, I didn't know that about the action figure, so I'll have to dig some out and... Uh make sure it's him and, and put in, put that in his case. But yeah, what a nice man. I got a chance to meet him when this hall of fame was in New York and uh, I got a chance to meet him and, and hang out with him. And what a very nice man. Reminded me a lot of red shoes, Dugan, a very strict upright guy, kept himself in shape, did push-ups and setups, and, and, uh, uh, but old Dick, he would smoke them cigarettes too, you know, all the time, but he was a nice, nice man. Very nice to me. And, and, I've watched some tape of matches of him refereeing, and he was a he was a he was the referee in the ring. And again, during an era where that referee was very important, you know, nowadays lots of places the referee, but you don't even know who they are because the match the match works in a way that it's irrelevant who the referee is and what the referee is doing. And, and Dick Worley was one of those guys that took charge in the ring. And if you had him as a third man, there was no chance that that match was going to go south. If he'd jump in and say something and make some make some changes. Yeah, and the thing with Dick, too, was, again, he wasn't uh, someone that they made central to the big storylines. He was just a straight-up guy that, that called it in the ring and, and, and maintained a presence, and, and people still remember him to this day. Not unlike some of the uh, other referees, or like you mentioned, Red Shoes, and even up here in AWA country, uh, when I started watching, uh, was like a Marty Miller type. I mean, and, you know, you guys that you still remember that were in that referee spot because they not necessarily went out and, and did a big blow-off angle or were involved in a major title change. They were just a presence, especially, like you mentioned, in those those days of the territories. They actually did have some weight. Yeah, those, those guys were so important. And, and being with a good referee, Red Shoes Dugan taught me how to tie up. 
I mean, that's that's how close I was to Red Shoes Dugan being inducted last year, and his Red Shoes are at the at the Hall of Fame, which I've seen fly over my head many a time. Um, uh, those kind of guys were invaluable, and and when we started this category, I said to the board of directors, you know, we'll probably induct deceased referees for five or six years before we get around to a living one. And so we, there was discussion of inducting a couple for a couple of years to sort of get them caught up because we went 16 years and we never had a referee inducted. You know, never had a chance of having a referee inducted. So we're just getting caught up on that because there's so many great ones. Jerry Usher and, and uh, what about David Manning in Dallas? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can talk, I mean, you can talk about referees from all over. And, and I know the ones that I worked with, and there was some – Jesse Barr in, in, in Portland, Oregon, if he's not a Hall of Fame referee, I don't know what one is. And, and so there's guys out there that are no longer with us that unfortunately we, we're just getting around to. And if we started from year one with the referees, uh, we would have had some of those guys up here living and they would have got their awards and, and we, got, we would have got to honor them the way we do when we induct somebody. Well, you know, and another one that I, I just thought of when you were going through the the list uh, in the Memphis territory, uh, Jerry Calhoun. Absolutely, you know, Charles uh, 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 Charlie Smith, Jerry, uh, uh, man, what's that other guy's name from the South? There was two referees that just when if you ever got a chance to work with them, they just blew you away being in the ring with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, what's that other man's name? My, my mind's going blank. I'm sorry, I've been dropped on my head a few times, but. Um, uh, there's just those referees around the country during the territory days. And, and so that's why this territory award is important too, you know, is because there's some of these guys that are missing out that have missed out on being inducted because again, they weren't when they weren't world champions, but they were good enough quality guys that touched all different parts of the business. And you remember them for all the right reasons, too. I mean, it's uh, guys that uh, didn't necessarily benefit from, you know, some of the, the stars of the last 20, 25 years with, with television being what it was and, and moving into social media. These are guys that somehow, you know, through the years have relied on both word of mouth and some of the stuff that may have been picked up, uh, you know, from the magazines or some of the footage that was actually remained in stock that didn't get erased. Yeah, and I think, too, I think too Glenn, a lot of it what they do in the ring they're doing what they do in the ring to make the people come back and see it again sometimes what's happening today they do so much is people are scratching their head well what are they going to do next time you know what i'm saying so back in those days the, the wrestlers knew how to make those make that expand a little bit what takes what takes 10 minutes today took six years 10 30 40 years ago you know what i'm saying I mean, mm-hmm. it's a different time yeah, it's just a little too, you know, they, everything's so accelerated. It's just a, a reflection of society. Everything's moving so, so fast, but where are we going with all this running? It's uh, We're burning ourselves <laughs> out a little. You know, we're burning ourselves out with stuff. It's like, I do like, and that's kind of the fun of, you know, still being able to watch some of the stuff that sticks around, that has uh, lasted as far as people saving pro wrestling stuff, whether it be on the networks or somebody who has done some VCR transfers and has it on YouTube or whatever. So we can still, you know, get to see some of this stuff and, and really kind of, 
you know, learn that psychology of how a wrestling show was shot, how, uh, you know, the television benefited the arena stuff. You really get to learn a whole different logic from, from generations past by having some of these tools still available and being able to remember these guys and see these guys and still have a younger generation who may be curious to, to go in and, and read about and, and talk about as well. So this, like the Hall of Fame, these are great places for all generations to kind of get together and commiserate about these talents. Yeah, and you know, like, and you you bringing that up, I have to say this. You know, right now we're just now getting ready to start digitizing a lot of the tapes that we have. We have eight, we have over eight hundred hours of television tape, three quarter inch beta television tape, and then we have, I haven't got a count. I'm going to say two thousand, maybe twenty five hundred VHS tapes that we're going to digitize and bring all over on the video, so that we can use it and play it throughout the hall on TVs and let fans see the different errors in the different places. See the territory that Tim Brooks opened, see the territory Tim Brooks opened up in Dallas and ran with his wrestling school for so many years. I mean, those kind of places, there's still tapes out there available for those kind of places, and we have a lot of that. And so we're, when we get that digitized and get that playing, the fans, the experience when they get to come to the museum will be a special thing. Just another great element and another great layer of the Hall of Fame uh, for years to come. And you talk about the killer. He's uh, being honored in the territory division. And, boy, uh, as far as, you know, you talked about Texas wrestling. I mean, he worked up in Detroit, worked a lot of territories. Uh, another guy that, uh, you know, I, I got to see him world class in his later years and, and with Global Killer Brooks, man. That's a guy to be honored. And his stuff even with Georgia, too, uh, with the national championship. I mean, this was a guy that definitely uh, deserves to be honored. And I even hear he's got a book cooking, too got a book cooking and, and you know a, lo- a lot of people don't know about the time that he ran that, ran his own territory and had his own group of guys and had his own TV and we were running three and four and five nights a week and this was being done in the in the early 90s in a time where the territories were dying the killer opened one up and, and there for a while you know me and Johnny Tatum we were helping him book it and we were drawing some crowds we had some crowds coming we, we, had, we didn't have the greatest of television time we had a good production team, and they made a good tape out of what we did. And we had some very talented guys come through, and uh, 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 it was a it was a fun time. I mean, it was a fun time to work with Killer and be there and watch a watch a veteran teach young guys how to do it, you know. And and uh, for that GWF reunion, there's going to be some guys there. Uh, unfortunately, I believe the problem with the GWF reunion they're having is that. The same night, MLW is going to be in Dallas taking a TV show with the Von Eric. So there will be a little split in where people will be that night. Oh, that's unfortunate that that, that the scheduling had to be that. MLW night. is actually the night before. No, so they're doing two nights, from what I'm understanding. Mm, I know they're I know they're in North Richland Hills May second. That's their next fusion taping because I'm supposed to be there for that. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm understanding they're going to have two nights of it. Uh, they're filming two different nights, and one Friday and one Saturday. So I hate that they're sort of, sort of. So I hope that's true. I hope that's true, Michael. I hope that's true that they're different nights. But I hear there's a two-night taping going on, and, and so it's going to double up. We're going to keep uh, going with I the conference. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I wish they'd done it on the Sunday of our induction weekend. We could have had a deal going on that weekend. 
Well, that would be a great, would have been a great booking. I mean, it would have made, it would have centralized a lot of stuff and a lot of people that would have showed up. I, I would have a feeling and, and soaked in not only the Hall of Fame, but the, the, the GWF. And uh, well, I'm going to get one more section in uh, before I give it back to Mike. Uh, we're going to talk about in the executive division, Dory Funk Sr. Of course, think about Amarillo, you think about Dory Funk. You think about Texas wrestling benef- really benefiting the day that Dory and, and his family brought that old trailer and decided to stop and uh, make that their territory because... Uh, man, if Dory Funk Sr. wouldn't have been the Texas, a whole lot of things could have shifted as far as pro wrestling history goes. But he found his fit down there deep in the heart of Texas. He uh, left us uh, a, a while back, but we're able to still honor him posthumously. And uh, both of his sons still alive today, too. Dory Funk Sr., executive division honoree. That's a, that's a big honor uh, for, the, for the Funk family. Well, you know, it's a special, it's a real special induction because with Dory Funk Sr. going in, that means all three of the family members now are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, with Luna going in in the women's division, it means multiple layers of the Vachon name in the Hall of Fame. So it's a special year that this year with the inductees, you know. Uh, uh, with Cora Combs going in, her and her mom now, with Cora Combs in, now Debbie and her are both going in. So, yeah, very special time this year. And, and, and I never got... I worked for Dory Funk Sr. one time coming through while he was alive. Um, but I never I never met the man. I never met Dory Sr. Um, very, from what everybody tells me, very family-oriented man, tough man, uh, part of the boys' ranch in Amarillo that still runs today. He helped, he helped develop that boys' ranch and make it what it is. And uh, so I, I think a very worthy induction, I think, I think a little overdue. I think Dory Funk Sr., much like Stu Hart and some of those old legend territory guys, you know, should have been the first people put in because they, they, they made the business go from the, the, the barnstorming days to what it is today. They were the, they were the interim, they were the interim judge of that time, and, and those guys were very important people. Very, very. Wally Carbo, you know, the Wally Carbos and the Dory Funk Sr. and the, the uh, uh, two hearts and the uh, uh, John Owens and Mike LaBelle and Roy Shires, those guys were that transition period. And boy, did they do a heck of a job during that time. Oh, most definitely. And uh, yeah, you did mention the ladies again. This is a, a family affair for pro wrestling, but Debbie Combs getting in uh, now with her mother, Cora, and of course, uh, Luna Vachon. Uh, a lot of us, mod- you know, the modern fans, uh, you know, of uh, you know, remember Luna as well. She got her start in the 80s and into the 90s with a lot of presence on the pro wrestling scene, both uh, on television and in indies. I mean, of course, we think about her too, working with the WWF on the big stage for a while as well. She had such a great character, such a uniqueness to her uh very sometimes i think that she would be very ahead of her time whether you know from her days working with kevin sullivan uh yeah i mean just a great honor and you know it's unfortunate she's not here to uh receive it in person uh, you know being it what it was but i mean it, it's so great that you're able to honor luna because man what a talent yeah and and so butcher and luna's daughter will be here to accept the award so we're excited man i can't tell you how excited we are to have butcher coming back and to have Luna's daughter come to accept her award is a special moment. Um, uh, Michael will have to visit with Kay some because Kay worked with Luna when she was doing some dark matches with the WWF back in the day. So uh, Michael will have to get some insight on Luna matches because it's, uh, it's a pretty good story, I think. Uh, but uh, uh, I was never on a card with Luna. 
uh, strange as that may seem. One, that's one of the people I was never on a card with. I was on a couple cards with Debbie, but I was never on any cards with Lena. Um, but yeah, what a talent in the ring, and, and probably way before her time. If she was, if she was doing it today, no telling how old she would be. Oh yeah, she'd definitely uh, be on the top of the card in the division, especially with the exposure that women's wrestling has been getting uh, here in the last few years and bringing it such a great miles up from where uh, the, the the ladies who have laid the foundation were. And that's just great to to have pro wrestling and great to have uh, Debbie and, and Luna being honored. You talk about, uh, you know, you said you were only on a few cards with Debbie and not on with Luna, but a guy that you had a, shared a, a ring with uh, on a few occasions uh, in, in Dallas and otherwise is uh, also a recipient. You met, we mentioned him earlier in the conversation about his possibility of him may or may not be able to get to Texas to receive his honor. We're hoping he does. Uh, was a guy that I found so fascinating uh, you're watching the legends of world class and also watching some of his stuff in mid Atlantic with Jimmy Valiant. I mean, the, the, I mean the world class stuff. Uh, I mean, I remember matches with like, you know, the Von Erics, like David Von Erich putting the stomach claw on him was a, and lifting him in the air, big highlights, but I'm talking about the great Kabuki, such a fun, eccentric character, but Man, the, the 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 style, it was so unique to its time and uh, to especially to a young kid starting to watch wrestling and the fans uh, of all ages. But really cool to see that he's getting an honor in the international division. Yeah, I'm excited. And, and you know, I, 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 I like I said, I can't confirm him right now just because of the health issues. But deep down inside, it tells me he's coming over here because I called him and told him and he's going to come because of me. Um, so... Not that I mean anything. I'm just I'm just a guy, but him and I have become very good friends when he was here in the United States. He took care of me in Japan. Um, we just became very good friends. And for him to be inducted and go in and, and be one of those Japanese legends that has made it into the Hall of Fame is a really special moment. And, and so I I look very forward to seeing him in May and, and uh, just hope the doctors can work out that situation so that's not a worry for him. Yeah, just what a unique character. I mean, I'm just thinking about him and uh, some of the outfits he would wear. Of course, he had the green mist and the face paint. I'll tell you, fun, I'll tell you a funny story about the green mist. I had, uh, I bought a brand. My dad and I bought a brand new stallion. This was about 1984, 85. We spent we spent a little money and bought a, a new stallion for our thoroughbred farm, and we advertised him nationally. And 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 when I'd go to Japan, I'd advertise him over there, and. Uh, so I'm wrestling one night, and uh, I forget where it was at. And I just had a brand new boot, brand new pair of boots got to me in Japan. I'd ordered them before I left, but they didn't come in. So my mom or somebody shipped them from the house when they got in here. And so I got these brand new pair of white boots, and I got a pair of white trunks on, and I wear a white robe to the ring. And I go out there and I'm wrestling Kabuki. Well, I figure I'm gonna stay out of the way of all the green mist. He does his green mist, and he does the whole thing. We start the match, and as soon as we start the match. I hook him up in a, in a headlock, and he blows that green mist all the way down the front of my white tights, down the front of my white boots and my white socks, my white knee pads, everything. He said, ha, 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 I got you. So I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to him coming in May, man. We're going to have a lot of fun with the boots in town. Oh, I, I, I think it's going to be good times, man. Such good times. I'm going to bring the mic back over to Mike, uh, to Michael McCurdy, the grizzled vet. Mike, are you ready to go for a few more questions here in this next segment of Wrestling Memories? Oh, definitely, man. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the Hall of Fame weekend because it's not just the Hall of Fame class and the induction banquet that weekend. You've got some seminars and set up this year. 
um, as well as some meet and greets and uh, and I believe like a luncheon or dinner with the legends. Let's talk a little bit about more about what else is going to be happening that Hall of Fame weekend that the fans are looking forward to. Because I've seen a few of the seminar listings already, and I know there's a couple that I'm going to sit down and listen to. Yeah, you know, um, Thursday what we're going to do is there's, there's a huge Chinese restaurant in town, and, and the ladies there, they just love us when we come to town. So they offered their little private room to us. And uh, so we're going to meet there and have dinner, and we're calling it Dinner with the Legends. So any Hall of Famers that are in town on Thursday night will eat that night at the uh, Chinese Chinese buffet with everybody else who buys a ticket to come be with us. It'll hold about 120 people, so that's how many tickets will be sold. There'll be about 100 tickets sold to that. Uh, that's Thursday evening from about 5 to 7 o'clock. And then after that, we're going to come back and go to uh, Big Blue, and we're going to have a movie night. Uh, they've made a movie up in Canada. But man, Butcher Bouchon's going to kick me in the butt because I don't remember the exact. Uh, there's a there's a page you can go to and find the trailer on it and everything. It's a, it's a, it's a movie that's about the last great villain, and it's about Butcher and Mad Dog Bouchon and, and them wrestling in their territory and their times and all that. And it's an hour and ten minutes. And it just started playing in Canada at some of the film festivals. And that's going to play here in Wichita Falls for the first time ever in, in the United States on Thursday night. We're going to play that in the, in the lobby of Big Blue and have a little fun with uh, Butcher afterwards with a Q&A and, and uh, enjoy that movie on Thursday night. And then Friday, we do start these sessions. And there are three sessions. One is going to be Fantastic and Cheap Herders. Bobby Fulton will be down. And we'll have Bobby Fulton and both the Sheep Herders in the room. And we're going to watch a couple of their matches on video and then let them speak to the crowd about those matches. And that time, as you said when you talked about them earlier, you said that they were the Sheep Herders, a real rough and rugged and tough tag team. Then they went and became the Bushwhackers with, they, with all the arms flying and all the, all the sort of funny stuff. And they, 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 weren't near, they weren't near serious in the ring. There wasn't as much blood and guts in the ring when they went with the bushwhackers as it was with the sheep herders. And so uh, we're going to have a session with them. The next session is going to be a world-class session with guys that work for uh, Chris Von Eric, which will include, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kabuki and myself and, and Black Bart. Uh, the other names that will be listed here, we'll get some names listed on the website here pretty quick. But it will be a panel on Friday of the world-class days and talk about those days and, you know, do sort of a Q&A and a time with them. And then the last one of the day is the author session. And that is for authors that have written books. And I think right now Kay has 10 or 12 authors in town for that weekend. And the reason we're doing that authors one at the end of the day is we wanted some people to come and be part of learning about writing and learning about researching and finding this stuff out so we could, maybe develop a few more writers that uh, will write about wrestling and preserve the history the way we need to preserve. And then, of course, now, see, that's night, the one I'm interested in. And then, well, I was just going to say, and then, of course, Friday night, Wrestling Under the Stars, and oh, my God, what a card that's going to be. We, we'd have to do another show to talk about that card on Friday night. It's just a fantastic card. Some names that will possibly blow you away that's going to work in Wichita Falls that night. Um, just a fantastic card on Friday night. So we're 
We're excited about the weekend. Trade show and autograph line on Saturday. The banquet on Saturday night, and it should be a lot of fun. If you don't know if there may be a snake sort of crawling around the ground in the corner in a sack or the snake's running loose or where it may be that night. But uh, it should be a fun, fun weekend with this food coming to town. See, I'm looking forward to the, the author's uh, session because, like you said, it's a chance for people to learn writing research. But it's also a chance for a guy like me who's, you know, been writing and doing research is to learn some of the techniques and some of the things that the guys that I've looked up to uh, have done and all that. So, you know, that's the, the thing about the Hall of Fame. You go in there. I've been there four times now, I think, four and every time I go in, I learn something new. I learn something different. I find out more information. So the thing about professional wrestling history, and that's what I love about the Hall of Fame and what you guys are doing now is that it's a chance for you. You're always learning. You're always going to learn something new. Even guys that have been covering this for however long, you're going to learn something new. You learned something. You did not realize there was a Dick Worley action figure. I sent you a picture of that, by the way. I, I did a little Google machine while you and Glenn were talking, and I found a shot of the uh, – Matt Mania, Dick Worley action figure, and sent it to you. So, cool, cool. Well, I, I bet I have one because I have a referee back there in that box for the kids to play with, and that's that box. There's three boxes of those play things, and then there's two boxes of those that we keep up in the package and pristine and all that. So, so I, I know I must have one. I just I just didn't realize that. I didn't realize they made one of Dick Worley. I have to get that out there and put it in his box for the induction week. For sure. For sure. Now, I think the author, one, one, I, one, one. Yes. Why was it say? I think the author thing is going to be really good because we're going to get to hear stories about them writing the books and the troubles they had doing and, and what the different things today that make book, book writing a little bit different. Because I just found out the other day a kid I coached amateur wrestling to in high school has become police chief right over here, not too far from my place, and he's written a book about uh, God and religion and how it's guided him through his life. And, and, and I had no idea. And when I talked to him, I called him this morning and said, man, I saw that piece on you. I can't tell you how proud I am of you. And he said, well, coach, he said, I just wrote it because he said it just seemed it was so easy for me to write. And uh, I said, well, maybe, you know, you've got another calling, you know, maybe there's another calling out there for you. And I, and he's signing a book for me and I'm going to get to read it. So you know, I, I've had two or three people come to me about writing books, and, and I'm, um, I've been writing notes and, and doing stuff, especially stories like you guys were talking earlier, stories, the funny stories about being on the road and things. I've been writing them down, trying to bring back as much memory as I can about the past and those kind of things and the ribs that were – because I was ribbed a lot when I first started in the business because of my brother's name. A lot of the guys ribbed me because they, they knew Kenny so well, and they picked on me and sort of keep me – you know, straight up and paying attention, not not slacking and goofing off there early in my career. And uh, um, so those kind of stories I've written down and trying to keep in my brain so I can continue to tell them. Now, one last question. We've discussed this uh, before on, on this show, and I've discussed it with you in person. Uh, you have the Indy Wall at the Hall of Fame. But is there any more progress on recognizing, you know, the independent talent that weren't on the main stage, but definitely need to be recognized for what they've done because, you know, they're kind of the, they're the next level of the guys that need to be recognized. Any more progress on the uh, Indies? 
Well, first off, let me tell you, have you heard that Rocket Boy is going to wrestle on the card on Friday night at, in the, at the Hall of Fame weekend? Have you heard that? I have talked with Joe, and I have been informed that my friend Brett will be coming back for to Texas for his second time. I hope he stays out of the left lane. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to have him on the card. We're excited about having him. But, uh, you know, we talk about it every meeting. We talk about the Indies and how we're going to get to it. And I'm hoping sometime through the weekend while you're there, we're going to be able to sit in a historian's meeting where George Napolitano and you and some of the guys can all get together and we can talk about how we can start a committee to start working on that project because that's going to be a project. It's going to take, it's going to take, uh, it's going to take a lot of people involved to be able to bring up a ballot with indie guys on it from around the country, because let's just, let's just face it. As much as people here in Texas love Tim storm, there's a Tim storm in Minnesota. There's a Tim storm in California. There's a Tim storm in New Jersey. And there's a Tim storm in Utah. And there's a Tim storm in Colorado. There's Tim storm. I'm not taking anything away from Tim Storms. I'm just saying there's guys around the country that have been working as long as Tim has been working, has been out of the major TV limelight. Tim's gotten some TV limelight here recently because of the NWA tape, but basically stayed off any national TV most of their career. So there's a bunch of them out there, and we've got to figure out the best way to induct them and, and, and honor them in the proper way instead of just hunting and picking them and say, well, this year we're looking on the West Coast, and this year we're looking on the East Coast. We've got to find some way to make that a, a viable way to vote them in and make that a way to put it on the ballot. And I'm hoping to get those. Well, anything I can do to help out with some of that, Johnny, would be great. Yep. Well, I'm hoping to get those answers from you guys because you guys are out and about seeing all this stuff. Glenn up in, Glenn up in the great North White uh, of Minnesota and you down here in Texas, and we got, you know, I got Joe out on the West Coast and, we got these guys all over the all over the United States and all over the world that got to feed that 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 independent scene somehow, some way. We got to feed that independent way. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone back over to you because once again, the timekeeper's uh, got her eye on you. Absolutely, she's always looking at me. I'm like, ah, it's not because of my looks, because boy, you would have been looking the other way a while ago. Uh, well, you know what? We're going to wrap up this edition of Wrestling Memories uh, then and now. And uh, yeah, we had a good, great time with you, Johnny. And l- let me tell you, if you ever decide to come back on, we could do a segment and we can call the episode "The Mantel Hotel Stories" that could be covered the road and all of that. Good ones, radio ready, of course. Yeah, we we could do that for sure. You know, I got to tell you. I told you I come out of the house because sometimes on, on days like this, I don't have very good signal. So I'm, I'm sitting out underneath my carport, watching the cattle out in front drink water out of the pond. It's a beautiful Texas day somewhere in the 60s. And uh, uh, life couldn't be better right now. Just feeling very blessed and, and able to be able to be on the air with you guys today. Uh, the last year and a half, I fought a, I've been fighting a, a problem with my health and and I'm, I'm sort of like Jake. I'm coming out the other end. So I'm really proud to be on the air with you guys today. Really proud of that. It was a pleasure to have you on. And for the Cowboy Johnny Mantell and the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Brockett. You've been listening to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now.